Hey, welcome back to Standing in Faith. I'm Kat in the studio with Jeff. Here I am. And David. Hey. This is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. So today we're going to talk about how God is sovereign, which when I was preparing for this, just pretty much was just blowing my mind when I was just like looking in the scriptures about all, like every page. It's just like him being sovereign. So trying to pull this together into a single topic of conversation seemed really difficult to me. Yeah, it, it's interesting because instead of God, you know, being in the universe, he contains the universe or the universe is or whatever is out there. He contains them all. And it's, it is like the psalmist said, it's too wonderful. It's too high. I can't attain to this. I can't even, it doesn't fit into my, my brain, yeah. you know. Oh, uh, so, so. I get the enormity of God. It's almost incomprehensible for me to wrap my head around. But when I think of sovereign, I go back to the, maybe I shouldn't do this, but Merriam-Webster defines sovereign as a person that has supreme or absolute power and authority. So, yeah, when I start thinking of sovereign, I think of kings, like a king sitting on a throne, ruling with, with, as a sovereign, right? There's nothing, there's no decisions, there's nothing that happens, that's, there's no surprises for this. There is just an, I guess to use Merriam-Webster's, an absolute nature to it so yet think about that absolute nature and i think this is where we miss the idea of kings when you think of a king 
because you think of someone that's going to render a judgment, have somebody's head cut off or give them riches or do whatever it is. Yeah. And, and so that's where our minds typically usually go to because, tip, you know, most of the time we can't think of really good kings, you know, <laughs> um, or good examples of kings. But if you think about it in the sense of that kind of author, absolute authority and power, and then you think about the psalm that Cat read, here is this absolute, all-powerful, almighty, all-sufficient. And that's what El Shaddai means. El Shaddai means almighty God, all-sufficient God. But if you think about that, and then here is this God who is all-powerful, all-authority, and yet he knows he is so amazingly intimate with each of us. This is the all-powerful God. You don't think of a king being intimate with his subjects or being intimate with those people who come before him. It's just, it's just this judge-wrathful thing. And I think that's where many times what God, people think about God. He's this, this all-powerful, almighty God sitting on this throne, and he's ready to pronounce judgment or revenge, mm. you know, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and this picture that we have that actually David gives to us, this picture is a picture of this intimate, kind, loving God, you know, uh, that knows our thoughts before we thank him and that his, all of his thoughts towards us are precious. That doesn't leave room in there for um, God being hugely angry and ferocious towards me or anything else or petty or petty mm. so i think it uh, so i think if we think about if we're going to think about god's sovereignty yes god is in control of everything at the same time i think we've got to be very careful with that that we don't allow this this idea of this uh, vengeful god that's sitting on the throne. Uh, does God hate sin? Of course God hates sin, but he made a provision for sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was the loving act or provision that God made. There's no other gods ever anywhere. There's no other God in all of, of the created gods of the world. God, our God is not created. Of all the other gods that people worship or whatever, they're all they all have a, you know, a, a vengeful, you know, most of them are very vengeful. Most of them don't have this concept of love, mm. you know, or intimacy, especially intimacy. I mean, you get some of the other religions, you start talking about the intimacy with God, and they think you're absolutely nuts. Oh, God, no, God wouldn't be intimate with you. Yeah, if you think about other pagan deities, they're they're usually like created or they're limited or they're localized or they're dependent or you know they need provision themselves or but but God is different. He's creator. He's sovereign, omnipresent. He's independent. He's a provider. He's not you know he's he's not changeable. He's unchangeable. He's personal, not unpredictable, and all that. So when uh, I'm still trying to I'm still wrestling with the idea of sovereign and I think one of the I I mean I don't know if it's an idea or but 
So for me, when I think about God, I think about God as not bound by time. Mm-hmm. So time is he's sovereign over time as well. So he knows the beginning and the end. So while we may be going through something, he knows what the results of that something are going to be. He knows the outcome of that something already. He he knows how it all is going to end. Mm-hmm. While we don't. Mm-hmm. So to me that's an aspect of his sovereign nature that I find comforting. Yeah. Right, that I don't have to worry about the future, the outcome, right? But it requires me to drop back into faith and trust um, in the fact that he's, to what you guys have just said, intimate and good and kind and loving Mm -hmm. and not vengeful um, against his beloved. Well, and and in essence, you just quoted the psalm because— if he knows our thoughts before we think them, that means he already knew. He, you know, and there's that one beautiful part in there. It says, uh, "Before you were even, when you were still in the earth, before you were even created in your mother's womb, there was a book written about you." You know, wow. I mean, that's pretty interesting. There was a book already written about you in the course of your world and life. Mm. And, and this is something that we probably should talk about. If God is all-powerful and all-sovereign over that, then everything that we do, you can think of it in a fatalistic way of saying, well, then everything we do was pre-planned by God. You know, if I fall and bust my head, if I get sick, if I whatever may happen was already a pre-plan, I'm just walking into it. We can think that way. And there, you can get into what we call determinism, which is, to me— or fatalism. It's, it's just a form of thinking when we think about that. But we also have to consider the fact that God did impart to us, and I, and I, and this is a whole other conversation between a believer and an unbeliever. Uh, I think for a believer, he gave us uh, this ability to choose whether we would yep. do good or evil, right? Mm-hmm. Whether we would sin or not. Um. Yet the thing that's beautiful about that psalm is if he knows all my thoughts before I thank him, and yet in, he gets down to 17 and 18, and he says, all his thoughts to me are precious. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty rotten thoughts. I've had some pretty harsh words that were not, yeah. quote, righteous. Um, and he already knew that. Or I've done things that if if I was God, all-powerful God, I wouldn't have chosen me to begin with, right? Because after all, he's the one that found me. I wasn't looking for him. He found me. And so <laughs> why would you choose me if I'm going to mess up like this? Well, he already knew I would mess up, and he still chose me. He already knew I'd fall and stumble and, and do all these things, yet he still chose me. And that's the mystery of his sovereignty. That's the mystery of it. Why in the world would you choose me to walk with you? You know, 
I guess it was the same question they asked. Why would Jesus choose these bumpkins? Disciples. Uh, disciples, yeah. That's what I was just thinking about. The disciples were just, they just got chosen, but they weren't necessarily like the elite of society. And they were just so uh, mismatched, too. Like if you were going to form a coalition of people, you'd want them to be, you know, more similar. Yeah, putting a putting a, zeal, a zealot and a tax collector oh gosh. in the same you know group. <laughs> That's awesome. <Yeah. laughs> so I'm still hung up on this absolute power and absolute authority, and when I when I'm thinking about that, I I guess I'm looking at that as there is no equal. It's absolute. There's there's nothing else that's comparable there may be things that rise up but i don't think that they're ever on equal ground or equal footing with god yeah uh, in isaiah there's all sorts of places but god's like it is i who made the earth and created mankind upon it my own hand stretched out the heavens or he says to whom will you compare me or count me equal to whom will you liken me that we may be compared? I mean, all over, you know, God's like, who are you going to compare me to? Like, who could you compare mm-hmm. me to? No, no one. I I made the universe. I hold it in my hand. It, and, you know, you can get into the fact that he also created Lucifer. Yeah. Lucifer is a creation of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then you can let your mind go into a lot of different places. The problem is it's your mind. Exactly. And when we're talking about sovereignty and all-powerful like you're talking about, you're talking about far more than what, what, what your mind will ever be able to wrap itself around. Totally get it. Yeah. yeah. Totally get it. And I think that's what you refer to as the mystery. The mystery. Right? When, it's, when, the, when the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding just— are beyond not just Jeff's capacity, but human capacity, period. Right? I mean, God is yeah, beyond all of that. And I think the more you fall in love with God, the less the questions come of that context. Like, how could you create this or how could you do that? Um because you begin to realize, well, if he's all sovereign and all powerful, it's kind of like me asking, uh, you know, well, I don't even know what a good example is except maybe being a, a, a little boy and, and asking my dad, um, why can't I drive a car or something? I mean, I don't, you know, what. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios there, but not a very good example. And, and I go back to the idea of there is nothing is wise. There is nothing on any kind of scale close to God. And I pop up, a lot of people give the devil. Oh, it's <sighs> God and the devil are in this battle, this fight. He couldn't yeah. even find Jesus when Jesus was born. <laughs> right. And, and the angels announced it to shepherds. Yeah. Like you think he would. I mean, like Picked up on something. Alert. Right? Hello. You know. There's a breach of heaven and earth, (laughs) sector four. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's sure he's a he's a force to be reckoned with. Satan is. 
but not against God. Yeah. And to me, the sovereignty goes to the fact that God, uh, that Satan only has the ability to do whatever God allows him to do. No more. Mm -hmm. And whatever he allows Satan to do, God works for our good. It says in Revelation that Mm -hmm. he allows Satan to, you know, overcome the saints, but we overcome Satan, you know, through the the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You know, so there's, so whatever it is that God allows Satan to do, it's, it all works together for our own good. The Mm -hmm, same way mm -hmm. that if you allow yourself to train for a marathon and you allow yourself to get your legs sore, it's just working together for your good. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the sovereignty. All right. So there's some areas that, so. If I'm, if I'm suffering, I believe that God is sovereign over whatever it is that I'm suffering. I don't want to say that God is the cause of my suffering. He's sovereign over it, but he's not the cause of it. I don't know whether that's biblical or not, but I don't think that God is going to inflict me what a, what about and I agree but what about the situation with Lazarus remember he was uh, uh which one the one that got re- risen from okay. the dead that yep. Jesus raised from the dead uh you know the word came that Lazarus is sick you know and everybody's yep. saying why didn't Jesus come heal him and all that kind of stuff and Jesus waited and waited till he died and then he said okay let's go you know, everybody else is saying, why did he do that? Why didn't he just go back in there and heal him? You know, of course, we see the whole story. Well, he went back and performed a greater miracle. But God allowed Lazarus to be sick and die. Yeah. Right? I'm sure he was suffering. Yeah. But, you know, but what? For the purposes of God, ultimately, you know, through his resurrection, uh, I think you can look at that in the sense of uh, God did allow Job to go through what he went through. And here we go again, though, with the mystery. The mystery. Mm-hmm. There's a place in Job where he said, that which I have feared has come upon me. And a lot of people use this mistakenly to say, oh, that's negative faith. Negative faith. Yeah. No, that, that you're, you're just doing exactly what Job's friends were doing. You're just making up stuff that fit your scenario. No, what, what Job was saying, this, what I feared was that there is a part of God, a, a mystery of God that I don't understand that's going to come forth. And we're not going to be able to put our finger on it or hand on it or anything else. And, and exactly, it's exactly what it was. Because even in the end, God gave Job absolutely no explanation. He just says, did you create this, Job? Yeah. You know, in other words, it goes back to that first example I was trying to make is like, uh, you know, asking God how come he made the Leviathan. Uh, you're asking me, God Almighty, you know, who, who the heck you think you are? I mean, it's kind of like that, you know? And, of course, we get offended by that. I know people get offended, you know, by, uh, you know, I 
why can't I tell God what to do? Or, you know, I mean, it's pretty arrogant, like a little ant sitting on its ant top of its ant mile, <laughs> man, shaking his fist at me. He says, you can't step on me, crunch. It, uh, yeah, but- in the end of Job, God says, uh, would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Yeah. Yeah, so let's go back to Lazarus. So I, I don't believe that God made Lazarus sick. And I also don't believe that God wanted Lazarus to die. Because that would, to me, indicate that he changed his mind, which I don't think is possible. So his will was always for Lazarus to continue to live, which is why he did. Yes, but at the same time, God allowed him to go through the death. He didn't have to. When Jesus first got the word, I mean, you go read the part, the, the passage in there, and it talks about, uh, you know, Jesus, even after he heard the report, he says, ah, we'll wait. And then when he heard the report, Lazarus is dead, he said, okay, let's go. Yeah, I still don't believe it's God's will that any of us are sick. I think sickness happens. It's part of a fallen world. Yeah. And I think to what we've all just discussed, he can use that. Yeah. Right, for his will and his purposes. Because, again, I go back to he's beyond time, so he knows the outcome before we know the outcome. So to me, that's that's faith is trusting in God to be good, even in a fallen world mm-hmm. that we live in, and even though we have to go through that. I'm, I don't know that I'm, and maybe I'm not thinking about it correctly, but yeah, I don't think God is deliberately inflicting people with sickness and death. I don't think that, to me, that would be contrary to his nature. Although, if he was, it would be, it's in, it's all working for good. If it was, because his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. So, so the, there's only one example that I can think of, and that would be the example of Jesus, right? Making a way for us to restore right relationship with with God. That's the only example that that is in my head that can grapple with that. Well, you got to also look at. Let's play the advocate again here. Look at the the place where Jesus. Uh, heal the blind man. That's what I was just thinking of. Right? And what was his sin? Yeah, what yeah. was his sin? There what was did no sin. was it his parents? What is it this? And Jesus says he was he was blind for the glory of God. Yep, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Yeah. So the guy lived blind for what 30 some odd years of his life to display the glory of God. See, those are the mysteries and the part of it that we don't really grasp and understand. Now, I, I don't believe that God inflicts us uh, with sickness. I think that's part of the fallen world. Yep. And that, that we can that can happen. 
But why is it that some get healed, some don't? Why is it some are protected against getting those kinds of things over against some that aren't? Because I know some pretty wretched people who stay pretty healthy and don't really suffer anything. What about, you know, and that was kind of the questions that Habakkuk had. Lord, why do the righteous, uh, why do the evil people uh, prosper and the righteous go hungry and those kind of things, you know? Why is that? God never answered those questions. You know what? God loves his enemies. And he loves his enemies, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He he loves his enemies. And and it it just, I think it's awful for us to go around proclaiming, well, God is just this horrible God. He let, you know, he... People sick and die, and what about a tsunami, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, how could God let this tsunami kill all these people and everything? Well, we go back and understand that that's part of this fallen world. Tsunamis are going to happen, hurricanes, tornadoes, people are going to get killed, wiped out, and so forth. Maybe sometimes we don't realize or understand death, Mm. you know? And God's approach to death and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, basically, Jesus overcame death. Um, so, you know, I think, I think what it is is we as human beings are trying to understand this whole idea of all-powerful and almighty and sovereign God. It, and... and and, of course, our mind immediately goes to the negatives, right? Well, why didn't, why didn't God stop that? Why did God allow that? Why does, why, 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 why? Well, I'm sorry. He doesn't answer those questions. But if you trust him and love him, he'll do what he did with Habakkuk. He'll rise you up to a higher place of faith where you, those won't be questions. Mm. And you'll learn to say, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, there'd be no fruit on the vine, though things happen in our lives, this goes on, this is happening, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, yet I'll rejoice in the God of my salvation because he takes my feet like hind's feet and he raises me up in high places. You know, it comes down to that. Yeah. Job said, though he slay me, I'll trust him. And it, I don't know. Sometimes I, I was funny because I was saying about this this morning. And sorry, I keep talking, guys, but I was thinking this morning. Um, uh, you know, I was just saying, God. I, you know, I, I always hope you'll give me the grace if persecution comes to go through it, because I really don't want to ever deny you. I really don't. And I think that's that's probably an underlying fear in my life. Is would I? Yeah. Would I go if I was being tortured? Would I deny him? I don't want that to happen, you know, in me right now. Yeah. So, it, but it would take a lot of God's grace for me to not want to end the suffering of it, you know, yeah. quickly. I think we could wrap it up with uh, Psalm 71. 14 through 15. It says, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, 
though I know not its measure. Even though I don't even know, even though I don't even understand it, I don't even, I don't even know how big it is, I'm still going to talk about it. Yeah, and I, it goes back to, to when we're talking about what you were talking about earlier, Jeff, with suffering and everything, is that I come to a place in my life that in everything I give thanks. That's tough. That's not easy. Because, like you said earlier, all things are working together in some capacity for good. Uh, whether it's life or death or whatever it may be, sickness and health and all the different scenarios that we go through, is it comes back to, to just being thankful to God. In every circumstance that you may go through, to be thankful in every circumstance. I mean, it says that. And once again, that's very difficult to do. Uh, mm. You know, you're going through a ton of stuff. You don't wake up every morning feeling thankful about what Liz is going through or, or what may be happening in, in your world. Of course not. Um, but it, it's, So it's an interesting place of, okay, God, where and how can I be thankful? I guess it goes back to sovereignty. God, you're all powerful and almighty, and I'm thankful for that. You know what's going on here. You know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, 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 I've got to trust you in this. And you force yourself. Sure. It's a deliberate, intentional act. Yeah. Yeah. It's also the grace of God, though, that enables you to to choose him, even, I think. Mm-hmm. Bless yeah. the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best I got right now. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's, it's more satisfying when I yell it. I don't know why. <laughs> Let's bless the listeners. Yes. God, thank you for being so darn interesting. (laughs) We love you so much. And I bless ourselves and the listeners with healthy eyes to let the light in. I bless the listeners with grace. Grace that rises up in power. Grace from on high. Grace that can satisfy and meet whatever needs are are required. I bless the listeners in Jesus' name with wisdom and understanding. And a depth of wisdom, a new depth of wisdom in walking with you and what that looks like mm-hmm. and in how amazing you are, even in the mystery. Amen. Amen.